and there's no way that they can clear that runway in time. And so um, the taxi says, negative Corvette 1-2, we've got a 747, we cannot clear the runway in time. And so this instructor pilot, with years of training behind him, said, okay, clear the taxiway. And I'm sidestepping to the taxiway. So in the last few seconds, he steps over. They get the runway clear, or the taxiway cleared. And he was able to land, safely land, an F-16 from the back seat. And when you're in a back seat and you're flaring, all you can see is just a little bit out of the side. So he's doing this almost by feel. And he was able to land a fully fueled F-16 on a taxiway in Miami International Airport. Obviously, he was decorated and given an award um, because he'd saved who who knows how many lives. Um, You know, it's amazing. What skill and talent that young man had, right? And we heard about this, you know, obviously that day, and it's like, wow, incredible. How was he able to pull that off? I mean, literally had, probably from start to finish, I bet he didn't have more than 45 seconds to, to get this all done. Can you imagine locking up for just half of that time? He didn't, though. He did it, and he did it well. He did it perfectly. You know why? Because he'd been trained. <laughs> He had practiced simulated flame-out landings over and over and over again. He'd trained himself to manage emergency situations. There's something strange about training. It eliminates fear. You know, do you think about people in survival situations? The ones that are, are full of fear and panic, they don't make it. The ones have trained themselves and are prepared and equipped to do it and deal with it, they're survivors. Um, this session here is called the Revelation Generation, and it's not a session on eschatology. We're not going to talk about the timeline of the final days or anything like that. Um, what we're going to talk about is what happens if this is the generation that enters into those final days, the days potentially of filled with tribulation, right? But you know what's interesting about it is the way Jesus set this up, every single generation since he left has felt like they could be the revelation generation. We were just talking about that at our church the other day. It's kind of it's kind of remarkable. Um, are we close? I don't know. It could be tomorrow. It could be a thousand years from today. I do know this, though, that we're closer than anybody else that has ever existed. <laughs> and you know what? All of the prophecies that need to be fulfilled for it to happen have happened. We are so close. I think, you know, Jesus, I I love in Matthew 25, and if you've never done a study of Matthew 25 and and paralleling it to the the book of Revelation, it is like Matthew 25 is the cliff notes of the book of Revelation. And and the disciples pull Jesus aside, and they, they ask him the question I would have asked. Tell us when you're coming again, and when will be the end of days? Wow, nailed it. Now let's listen to what Jesus said. And Jesus didn't give him some superfluous, you know, ethereal answer. Do you know what he does? He takes him right down the line, blow by blow. This is going to happen. 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 And if you line up what he says, it matches perfectly chronologically with the book of Revelation. It's amazing. I love it. I study Revelation a lot. It's one of my favorite things. In fact, I do a session on the end days. (laughs) But... um, There's something remarkable about what Jesus says when they ask that question. And do you know what it is? It's the first thing he says. Does anybody know what the first thing is that Jesus says? He says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. 
There is going to be so many lies in the end days. You're going to have a hard time discerning the truth from the deception. And you, as my sons and daughters of God, need to be ready and you need to be trained and you need to be prepared so that you are not deceived. Because the deceiver will be in full force. I don't know about you, but do you, doesn't it feel like America has lost its mind? There is so much confusion. There is so much deception. And parents, your duty is great to help your children and teenagers navigate the lies and the deception that are out there. Wow. And we're going to talk about what our culture has embraced and how it is contrary to what God tells us is the truth in his word. All right. Don't be tempted to compromise. It doesn't mean that we need to be unloving or uncaring. That's first and foremost, right? They will know you by the love you have one for another. It is our love that brings the testimony of Jesus Christ and it gives us the power to bring a witness to his, this lost and dying world. But that love doesn't mean you compromise on his truth. They're not incompatible. Love and, and, and holding to the truth of God's word are completely mutually supportive. Don't be tempted to compromise on the truth of God's word. Our kids faced it. We had a couple, one in particular, that went through some of this. And it's like, well, but these people are such good people. And it's like, they're living in sin. The Bible says that homosexuality is a sin. And I know that the world is embracing that. Your university is embracing it. You may have friends that are homosexuals. And, and this is something that is hitting us really close to home, folks. I know it. And, and please know that we're not insulated as a family, as the black family. We, we, I tell you what, it has hit us up close and personal. And it's because the world is trying to encroach on the truth of God's word and erode it away so that there's no foundation anymore. So that he can have his way with you and your children. And so um, do not be deceived. Do not be tempted. And the only way through this is the proper training. And you don't have to lot, want your children into a world to be afraid of, uh, that, that, that they have to be afraid of. Training eliminates fear. The Bible says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, I just asked you if you thought America's lost its mind. It's not sound, that's for sure, is it? There, the craziness that's happening right now. I, 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 every, every year that goes by, I think I won't be surprised anymore. And I'm surprised. <laughs> it just goes on and gets worse and worse and crazier and ridiculous. The things that are being em, em, embraced. Um, I, was, I was talking to a young gal that helps us at our booth, and she, I think is her pastor that said that there's four steps of sin. And, and, and the first thing is tolerance. And then the second thing is, um, uh, let's see, help me, tolerance, um, and then it's uh, participation, uh, uh, tolerance, acceptance, participation, celebration. And man, we are in the, the, the celebratory phase of almost any sin you can think of as a nation right now. We've gone through them all. 
And that's where we're at. And so I'm just going to, we probably do need a lot of puppies, Greg. <laughs> I don't have puppies in the slideshow, so if I say it, just smile and take a breath. Um, I'm going to first briefly, and we're going to try to shorten this session, we're going to briefly just kind of give you a picture of the State of the Union, okay? Um, and, and I don't need to do a lot of convincing because I see this already out there. But as an engineer, one of the things that can happen, just like I think happened in the days of Noah, is you can become so um, anesthetized by the erosion of your culture that pretty soon you're just you're in it, you know. And you don't you got to pull back every once in a while, and you need to step back and look at the trends. Sometimes we do a lot of innovative stuff in our company, a lot of R and D. And sometimes certain trends will start to happen, and you can't really figure out which way it's going. And I always tell my guys, I said, listen, if you're wondering where this is heading, what you need to do is just to kind of step back and look at the trend and take, it, take something to the extreme, and then you'll know what's actually happening. And so when I'm, we're going to take a quick picture at this stuff here. We're going to look at trends, all right? And the trends are going to show us where we're heading as a nation. Very, very rarely... Does a nation on the brink of moral um, uh, destitute uh, ever recover by themselves from that? I don't know that I've ever heard of such a thing. I mean, there is, there is uh, uh, the story of Jonah, right, in Nineveh, and, and it was repentance that brought them back from the brink of destruction. Um, later on, Nineveh was destroyed because they did return back to their own sinful ways. But, but the nation of, of America here has... has Embrace such immoral activities and behavior that is completely contrary to the word of God, that it has put us on a path of destruction. And, and the reason I'm just sharing that with you is so that you guys as parents can, in appropriate, age-appropriate way, prepare them for the potential and eventuality of what's coming from a morally defunct nation. Okay, It's getting harder and harder every year that goes by. I can, we as a business feel the political pressure... Of, of normalizing sinful activity to the point of how you hire and who you hire and the laws that govern that. And I know you're feeling it here in Colorado, right? I mean, it, it's definitely hitting home. It's, it's hitting right into where we live today. And, and you can just know that your children and your grandchildren are going to deal with it even more so. That means that the obligation and the responsibility is greater for us to prepare them for it. Again, this isn't to depress you, okay? But it'd be terrible to have your kids playing around in a pit of snakes and not tell them, hey, those are poisonous, get out of there or be ready, you know. Well, go ahead, I don't want to offend you by, by telling you you shouldn't play there, you know. That's what's happening today. And Christians, rather than face the reality of what their children are going to be facing, are kind of placating that and just kind of pushing it off. You're not doing kids any, any service by doing that, okay. And, and, and again, we enter this not with a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind, and you do that through training and equipping, okay? So that's the whole purpose of the session. Um, sexual immorality and confusion. Oh, it's just rampant. It's out of control. Um, let's see here. I don't know how much to say about this. Like I said, I want to go through quickly so that we don't spend too much time on this. Um, too depressing. My wife always says, Chuck, you got to back off that. I, I know, I know. So... Um, Abortion, of course, we know. Uh, praise God for the Supreme Court's ruling. 
I was at a conference. I was just getting ready to go up, and the speaker was introducing me. He said, Supreme Court just overturned Roe. Uh, the, the, the reaction I had was just amazing. It was just like uh, goosebumps up and down. It was like oh, one step in the right direction, praise God. But now, of course, the, the enemy is just doing everything I can to, to, to counter that, and you feel it. And we just had a terrible ruling up in Montana. Uh, just terrible uh, about if a, a baby is aborted and, and is still alive and it's a botched abortion, that, that, there's, that you don't have to render aid to this child anymore. You can just let it die. It's like, my goodness, you're actually just, it's just gone so far. Um, so anyway, abortion will always be a thing. Illegal drug use continues to be on the rise. Um, Unitarian Universalism is basically accepting all uh, faith systems as systems of truth. Your truth is not my truth. Truth is relative, and that's basically what Unitarian Universalism is. Um, Political correctness and pluralism, um, that's just a powerful force today in America, probably more so than any other country in the world, I think. Um, it's uh, It's just incredible. Um, evolution, I've already talked a lot about evolution and how powerful that has become, that lie. Gender dysphoria, this is just such a prominent issue today. Um, Such confusion, defying the very laws of science and biology um, for the sake of promoting um, confusion and lies and and deception. And and really what it is, is distorting the creation of God. That's what the enemy is all about. He's destroying the works of God. And the the beautiful creation of of how God made man, male and female, is under attack, just like just like evolution and his very godhood. Um, and then Therian phenomenon. Anybody heard of the Therians? Anybody know what Therian is? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so you, you've probably heard it in a different form. It's, it's uh, people that absolutely believe that they are an animal in human form. Okay? You've heard of this? Yes. The furries and that sort of thing, right? And I just thought this is ridiculous. And then all of a sudden I hear from a sister-in-law, a sister-in-law who's a teacher in the public school system saying the principal had to make a declaration that kitty, kitty litter boxes would not be placed in the classrooms. I'm like, what? And I, I shared this in, at South Dakota when we had a conference there this year. And the, the, the executive director of the association said, yes, we're dealing with that in our small town too. The principal and the school board had to decide whether or not kitty litters were going to be... Because you're offending their right and their identity to identify as a cat or a dog. And so now we have students that are being barked at and meowed at and screeched at because, well, hey, if that's how they identify, I can't offend them. That's the theory and movement. And you might think this is ridiculous and it's going to stop. It is on the rise. Again, this is, a, this is a perversion of the creation of God. And it is the work of the enemy. When you get a person to think that they are an animal, anything goes. Anything goes. We did a conference in Michigan, and uh, across the way was a judge for the state of Michigan who had written a book on, and it was called In Their Own Words. And he basically did an enormous amount of research on our forefathers and basically tried to translate them into modern day and say, based on their writings, what would they say about what we're facing today? This is how they would respond in their own words. It was just a phenomenal concept. 
And uh, he shared with us, though, something that just recently happened. He said that he'd wrote, he'd written an opinion on a case. He is an appellate court judge. Okay, so he's not at the state Supreme Court, but he's the next one where, you know, the other courts uh, it rises up and he has to decide whether or not it goes to the Supreme Court or not. And so, um, and he's one of a few judges at that level in Michigan. And he said that um, he wrote an opinion on a case where this guy, who was a criminal, absolute criminal, was wanted to be identified. He was like a 40-year-old man. He wanted to be identified by the court system as a 9-year-old girl and as a cat. And this judge wrote an opinion saying, why are we wasting taxpayer dollars on trying to decide if this guy can legally identify as a 9-year-old girl, which he's not, or a cat, which he's not? This is a waste of time and energy. In years past, we would have sought mental help for him. And because of that ruling, because of that opinion that he issued, there are 19 organizations in Michigan that are vying to get him removed from being a seat, a judge in the, in the appellate court system in Michigan. That's the reality of what we're facing. Talking about the country losing its mind. We, there's just no depths to which the enemy will not take humanity because he hates God so much. And he's going to mess with his creation. That's the theory and movement. Watch out for it. Um, and it might look cute and funny on the outside, but in, it's dark and deep, and, and, and it's, uh, it's of the devil. So, all right. Um, well, just a quick brief through this. Uh, number of same-sex couples. Look, this only goes to 2014. What do you think has happened in the last... Uh, it's exponential. It's up here someplace. Okay. Same-sex marriages. And, and not only are the same-sex marriages increasing by this, but the people's acceptance of them. Even if you, don't, if you don't agree with it, it's like, well, we need to accept that as normal. And so that is even higher, okay? And not only from the, the non-Christians, but from the Christians. Churches are embracing this stuff. Um, divorce rates skyrocketed up here, and all of a sudden they started to diminish. Why do you suppose they were diminishing? They aren't getting married. That's right. They're not getting married. Why get married when Hollywood tells you it's stupid to get married and you don't have to? You can still enjoy all the benefits of marriage without being married and tied down, right? So absolutely, people, there's a marriage rate. So that's why the divorce rates dropped, because there weren't as many marriages to divorce. Because this is what was happening. 1980, all the way down to 2012. Look at this. Frightening. This is the trend that I was telling you about. Abortion rate reached an all-time high here in like 1981, then it's just slowly diminished. Why do you suppose that was diminishing? What's that? I, a lot more effective contraception. People aren't not having sex, I guarantee you that. All right, But also, right around in here, our U486 came out. These are only the abortions we know about. How many abortions are being done in the home? Millions. Millions. Look at the birth rate. From the turn of the century down to now. Did you know that um, a birth rate of lower than like 1.7, I think, is unrecoverable as a nation? I think Japan's is 1.3. We're at like 1.8, 1.85. Um, there's just people aren't having kids anymore. Because it's going to affect, like I said, you know, the selfishness and, and the birth control and the abortions. I mean, children are a nuisance, right? And then until you wake up one day and realize there's nobody that will go to work anymore. 
the children are gone. Um, I was talking to a professor at our local university, a close person that we know, and he was complaining because the enrollment in their university had dropped by 1,700 students. And this was a liberal person, right? And I wanted to say, but I didn't dare because there were some other factors involved, is do you know how many abortions there were in the state of North Dakota last year? 1,700. Where do you think the kids are going? You're killing them. And that's the eventuality of our culture that has embraced this, this death culture. Um, drugs, of course. Oh, these are overdoses due, due to drugs. That was 2017. Obviously, meth is on the rise and along with everything else. And, of course, you guys know what's going on with marijuana, illegal drug use. Um, and and I, this is a, a picture that I, I borrowed from Ken Hams. Um, and, and here's the thing. You know, Christianities are all about trying to take care of this stuff. In reality, all of this, a lot of this stems from the foundation of evolution. The reason is because if you can get rid of God through evolution, then none of this matters. It all starts, and and evolution, in my opinion, is the number one single most successful lie that the enemy has ever told. It has permeated our culture, and it has been at work for decades in America, and we are now reaping the consequences of a culture that has embraced a no-God society. And we are now just starting to to experience this. Um, So, all right. Have I convinced you enough? We're kind of in trouble. (laughs) Again, don't forget. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. All right? And we know that we are in enemy territory. Jesus told us so. And when, when Satan took Jesus up to the mountain and showed him all the kingdoms in a glance and said, you can have this all. It's yours. All right? This is one of the three temptations of Christ. This is yours if you just bow down and worship me just once. Just once. That's all you got to do, Jesus. You know, he would not have offered it, and it would not have been a temptation for Christ if it wasn't real. If, this, if the enemy of God didn't own the world. When he says he owns the world, you need to understand that when it says the world, you're talking about the kingdoms of this world that Satan is in control of. And he's desperately trying to make the kingdom of the United States his own too. And he's gotten quite a, way, quite a bit of leeway um, with this. Um, in recent decades. so, But I do believe that it really starts with evolution. Honestly, this is where I struggled as a teen. This is where your teens are going to struggle. When you take God out of it, anything's possible. And that's terrible. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about preparing for the potentiality of your, your young people experiencing the end times. Um, <clears throat> as I thought about this, I thought about, well, is there any example in Scripture where a group of people were facing what they thought might be the end of their society or their existence or maybe the, their world as they knew it. And there is, a, there is a, a passage in Scripture, and I want to take you there. Um, let's see if I can find it here. It's in Daniel chapter 3. So if you want to turn to Daniel with me. Chapter 3. 
tell you, I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. Let's just let's hold that that place in Scripture, and let's talk about this here. Um, preparing for times of spiritual adversity. Um, number one, the first thing we do need to do, and these these seem very trite, but in reality, this, this is basically like what we were training for when we were facing emergency situations. Number one, know what you believe. Know what know what you believe. Know that, that what you stand for is absolute truth. There is a line that divides everything, and it is God's word of, word of truth. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I mean he absolutely is the epitome of everything. It all starts with the person of Jesus Christ, okay? He is the epitome of the truth. Um, knowing what you believe is the first step. And like I said, in Matthew 24, Jesus warns us, take heed that no man deceive you. Um, and where, where is the enemy going to try to attack? Where is he going to start to try to erode the truth? Well, he knows that a lot of mature believers are really solidly already immovable from their line of truth. So where does he go? He goes to the children. He's patient. He can wait a generation two, three, four generations for his deception to get planted and take root. And he has done that. Um, so for the young people that are here, I have a story for you. When I was, uh, when I was at squadron officer school and my squadron was overflying in desert storm, there was a story that came back from that when I returned and I thought I better glean as much knowledge from these guys that are combat veterans now as possible because I might not get a chance. And one of the stories came back, um, and it was a story that a pilot named Dave sat down across the table with me and said, Dave, tell me the experience. He said, well, Chuck, he said, uh, we, were, we were briefing up, and it was a package of 40 F-16s that were going to go out, and we were going to hit the tanker, and we were going to refuel, and then we were going to go into enemy territory and, and, and drop our weapons and then return. And he said, as I, I got into my F-16, and we started spooling up the jet, I did my systems check, and all of a sudden I got a, 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 an, an alert, an alarm. And it, it was an ECM pod failure alarm. Now, the ECM pod is what's called an electronic countermeasures pod. It's a device that's it's, it's about six feet long or so, and it sits, it connects on the underside, the inner fuselage of the F-16. It's kind of a miraculous little technology wonder. Basically, the ECM pod is just what it says. It's an electronic countermeasure. So if the enemy is, is sending their radar signal to you to try to figure out where you're at so it could launch missiles, this pod would recognize that signal, and it would return a signal that was deceptive. And it would, it would basically say, no, I'm not here. I'm, I'm three miles to the south. And then the missile would fly over there and he wouldn't get hit. Or in some cases, it had the ability to actually make it look invisible. It would send back a signal where the, 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 their radar system wouldn't even see the F-16. Just amazing uh, technology. And so he said, my ECM pod failure um, uh, alarm came on. And he said, so I called the package commander. And I said, hey, this is Corvette you know, 2-2. Um, I've got an ECM pod failure. And so he said, well, try resetting. He said, already did that. Still failed. He said, well, he said, I'll tell you what. We have 40 F-16s in this package. We'll do this mission. You just get in the middle of the package, okay? And we'll, we'll, our ECM pods will protect you. And then um, we'll go over. You just stay with us, and then we'll drop the bombs and come back. And he said, sounds good. Let's launch. And so they launched. They hit the tanker. And as they're going, uh, getting ready to cross into Iraqi airspace, okay, 
Um, he checks it one more time, still not functional, and they enter the Iraqi airspace, and he's in the middle of this 40-ship package, F-16s, thinking he's going to be protected. As soon as they cross enemy lines, guess what happens? Enemy radars start, start lighting him up, and they start launching missiles. And he spends the next 20 minutes of his life fighting for his life. He is juking and diving and swerving and trying to not get shot down by Iraqi surface-to-air missiles, whom Hussein said that he will eat the, the pilots that fall from the sky, right? So I'm sure that's going through his mind. And he's in a desperate fight for his life to just survive. He couldn't get to the target. He couldn't deliver his weapons. All he could do was try to survive the day and get back across the enemy lines, which he did. Thank God. And he said, Chuck, it was, it was the most frightening moment I've ever had in my life. Thought for sure I was going down. Thought I was going to die. And he said, it was such a, a wake-up call to the Air Force that the Air Force put out a mandate that said, no F-16 will ever fly in combat that doesn't have a functioning ECM pod. And um, the reason I share that story with you is because that ECM pod w- was like an invisible shield for the F-16, Okay. And mom and dad and young people, you need to understand something very critical here, is your children cannot borrow your faith. All right? And young people, when you leave home, you need to have your own operating shield of faith. Okay? It, 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 you don't get to us, you know, you borrow it and take it for a time. All right? It doesn't work that way. The enemy knows if their faith is real. The Bible says that our faith, our shield, our, our faith is like a shield that is able to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. All right? And if you don't have that shield, those, those, those arrows, those fiery darts are coming right in and they're going to pierce that heart. And so make sure that when that young person steps out, that umbrella of protection we were talking about earlier, they have a fully functioning shield of faith ready to go that is completely owned and operated by them. Okay? You can't borrow somebody else's faith. Uh, The enemy will hit your child where they are weak. Evaluate their armor and find where there are chinks, especially in their shield. Um, All right, so know what you believe. There are, uh, let's see here. Do I have a slide for this? Yes. Here's a great place to start. Again, this is just a short list. Um, What do you believe about the existence of God, the sovereignty of God? The creation of the universe, the reality of sin. This is just just like they're trying to take away hell, they're trying to take away sin. The truth of God's words, the deity of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the reality of hell, the return of Jesus Christ, the reality of Satan and his demons, and of the coming judgment of sin and of works. Okay, sin for the non-believers, of works for believers. Um, Okay, number two. Oh, sorry. Uh, We'll go back up here. Know what's coming. This only can happen through the study of God's word. And it doesn't mean that we're supposed to be predicting when the end days are coming. But it does. Jesus says, nobody knows the hour or the day, only the Father, not even the Son. Which is kind of remarkable, isn't it? But he doesn't say, you won't know the season. In fact, in in the passages before that, he says, be ready when you see these things coming to pass. It is, I'm, I'm at the threshold, it, the very, the very, it's just ready to happen. 
Guys, all of those predictive verses that he's talking about are happening. Wars and rumors of wars and pestilences. I mean, we just went through a pandemic. Earthquakes in many places. If you ever saw the chart of earthquakes in the world, it's crazy. It's just exponentially increasing. All these things. You only know that if you've studied that and are ready. He says, I'm at the threshold, the threshold of the door. I'm ready to step through. Basically, he's waiting and saying, Father, you tell me the day and the hour and I'm gone. Okay? Until then, people, recognize it and be ready. So know, and know when and know what's coming. And that, that coming, the stuff that's coming is found in, in Scripture. And again, you know, Revelation used to be a book of, of, of fear, like for Andrea. She said, I used to be afraid of it until she studied it. It's actually a book of hope and promise. We know who wins the victory, right? We know that we get to be on the, on the victory team, right? Um, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to be challenging. And there are times in the past where it's been very challenging for Christians globally. Um, and I don't think that we are an exception. Now, the, whether the rapture takes us before or middle or after is, is really irrelevant because we're seeing an increasing trend towards the persecution of people with true faith, all right? And that will continue. And we know that we have brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world right now that are, are laying their lives down for the faith of Christ. Um, boy, we need to be in prayer for them. And then finally, um, know what you will do. This is where I want to take you to the story real quickly in Scripture where I thought, is there an example of this? And there is. And you know the story well, but I want to read a couple of, of the verses from it. It's where... Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're, they're basically, the, the, uh, Nebuchadnezzar puts up this image, right? And he says, when, I, when I, the trumpets sound, when the drums beat, when it all, you all worship down, you kneel down and worship. Okay, so that's the setup here. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image, all right? Um, he set it in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon, and he sent word that when the administrators and governors, counselors, treasurers, and judges, and masters, and all the officials of the provinces of Gad together for the dedication of the image to King Nebuchadnezzar, that they stood before the image that he'd set up. And the herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, uh, that at a time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, etc., all kinds of music, that you will kneel down and worship this golden image. All right? So... Now, we know that uh, what happens here. Um, therefore, there were times uh, uh, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. O king, live forever. You've made a decree that everyone who hears um, the sound of the horn and all of these things, that you should, they should worship the golden image. But whoever does not will be cast into the burning fiery furnace. And there were certain Jews whom you have set over affairs in the province of Babylon who have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your guards or worship the image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, all right, you will experience the rage and fury of a government if you, if you do not comply with the political correctness of the day. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke to them and said, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image that I have set up for you? Now, he'd obviously put them in positions of power, right? They were rulers. So I think the king actually had a heart for them because he says in this next set of verses that if you are ready, like if you missed it, right, if you made that mistake, I'm going to give you another chance. Let's do it again, and you can get it right this time. That's basically what he's saying here. He says, and if you do that, then good. All will be forgiven. 
But if you do not worship, I will cast you immediately into the burning fiery furnace. And who will deliver you from my hand? What God is able to do that? Wow. Now, this is the part I want to get to. Because you know what they say. But it's powerful. And this reaches forth thousands of years to you and I today. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to be careful in how we answer you on this matter. (laughs) Why, those arrogant upstarts. If that is the case, if what you say is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known unto you that we do not serve your God's Basically, we will not compromise. Nor will we worship the gold image which we have set up. Oh, I don't know about you, but that, that gives me goosebumps. The courage of those three young men. Guys, know what you will do. They didn't wake up that day and decide, okay, today I'm going to have some faith and be courageous. This was born into them and trained into them and discipled into them from when they were little. I guarantee you, it was the parents that gave them this spirit of confidence that trained them for years until they were taken into a land of captivity, until they faced what they thought were the days of revelation. Revel, you know, that, that this was the end. This is it. This is our end. And today we read about them and the courage and the faith that they had. Wow. And God, of course, intervenes in a supernatural way. Whether he does or doesn't, they had the right attitude. Whether he does or doesn't, doesn't matter. Our lives will be a testimony that we will stand before the God of this universe and not bow down to your false idols. Guys, that's the kind of spirit that we need to breed and bring and train and incorporate into the lives of our children. There are going to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's in the, in the days to come, as this happens, um, generations will be telling the stories. Will they be your children? <laughs> um, you know, there was a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of people taken in captivity from, from Israel to Babylon. But only three stood that day. Wow. The erosion... The erosion of the morals and the ethics of their culture as they, as they found themselves in enemy territory, faced with an oppressive king that was ready to steal their faith away from them. And yet they had the courage to stand up. And I know, I know that there are young people all over the world and all over America that have that kind of intestinal fortitude, that kind of faith. And I just, in spite of all of the trends of this, there are these kind of young people today that are going to stand up for the God of this universe. I don't know about you, but I just, I get excited about that. I get excited to see it, and I get excited because it, it comes from the hearts of parents like you that are willing to come here on a Saturday and listen to this and get, get your kids ready for it. What, real quickly, what can we learn from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and, their, and what they went through? We can learn that God will never abandon you no matter how bad it gets, no matter how hard it is, no, how, no matter how oppressive the government is, no how many bad laws are made. And by the way, we're not going to change the course of this nation by different laws or, or even elections, even though everybody needs to vote. Okay, But that's not what's going to change this nation. What's going to change this nation is a revival because it needs to go from the, the, 
you and I from the spirit up, from his church out and from the people up. That's what changes the courses of a nation. So please add to your prayers every night for revival for America. All right. A spiritual revival. God will never abandon you. God will give you the courage and the words when you need them. He told his disciples, when you go and talk and you see these people of position, don't think about what you're going to say. My spirit will give you the words to say. I guarantee you. Those words we just read were the Spirit of God speaking through the mouths of those young people. And he will do that today. God is stronger than the enemy. No matter if he owns all of the empires of the world and all the governments of the world, God is still stronger, and he always will be. And the enemy knows his day is coming. God is a God of justice. And I don't know about you, but I need to know this. I need to know that God is going to make everything balance out at the end. He's going to make all the wrongs right. He's going to set those that that need to be judged in judgment and those that need to be blessed, blessed. He is a God of justice. He always has been and always will be, even though it may not look like it for a time. I I really, um, this gives me great comfort. And he's a holy God. He's a powerful God and he's a God of justice. And God is faithful, all right? Um, He is more faithful to us than we will ever be to him. If we just show him just a little bit of faith, he just blows the doors off of it for you and I. Um, How do you prepare your children to engage in the battle? How devotions daily? We've talked about that. These are just some resources. Haley's Bible Commentary, Billy Graham's Day by Day are fantastic resources we use from time to time. Um, And then um, here, just so you can stay in tune, subscribe to World Magazine, Voice of the Martyrs. American Family Association Journal, Focus on the Family, Thriving Family Resources. There are many, many, and, and this is a little bit of an older list, so um, I, there's, there's more and more that are coming out to equip you and I as believers for the world that we face today. Uh, role play the antagonistic atheist, a college professor. We talked about that. Uh, make sure they're older and ready for something like that. Prepare them in apologetics, and I gave you these resources just last hour. So, um, okay. So... Um, Romans 13, 11 says, Now it is high time to wake out of sleep. All right? Put on Jesus Christ. So let us not fall into the temptation of slumbering through this. And and as in the days of Noah, where they were marrying and giving in marriage and pretending like it was going to continue forever. I mean, we see the trend, right? But it's hard for us to fathom a, a, a huge colossal shift in our existence. But that does happen. And it is going to happen at some time in the future. Um, just like we talked about for spiritual emergencies, just make sure that your children are trained and ready for them, okay? Um, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, uh, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20. Um, Behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. And that's, that's uh, the hope and the promise we have from the creator of this world. All right, um, do we need to say puppies one more time? Okay. Puppies and kitty cats, although puppies are better. Uh, (laughs) uh, I I just wanted to say thank you again for giving us the opportunity and the privilege to come and be with you today. I know Andrew feels the same way. Um, And uh, I hope that you're encouraged. I hope you're charged to take up that banner of the gospel of Jesus Christ and take it to the world. Take it to your family first, but take it to the world. That's our command. That's our That's our commission. So um, thank you again, everybody. Um, And I'm sure we will see you around. So thank you, Greg.